You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Welcome back to yet another episode of Beside the Badge. I'm your host, Paul Buckner, civilian police chaplain. I want to talk in this episode about uh, the three big marriage killers, what they are, and how, uh, as law enforcement and beyond the badge, we can look at these, know what they are, and avoid them. Now, I've not been married for 60 years. I've been married for 17 years. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I looked at these marriages, people that I knew in my in the church I grew up in, these, a lot of these people have been married 50, 60, 65 years. Uh, that's really impressive. Uh, some of them got married at 15 or 16. Some of them got married at 20. Uh, a lot of marriages happened a little younger back then, but they, they still loved each other. Uh, and they, their marriages were founded on biblical principles. And uh, so I, I long for that for my wife and I. And uh, this is the second marriage for both of us. My wife was married for a decade and lost her first husband quite tragically. I was married very unhappily for about two years. It was a very, a very bad uh, relationship, and uh, I'm very happy to be in a relationship with someone who mar- um, values marriage the same way that I do. And we, I won't tell you for a, an instant that we don't ever fuss at each other or whatever, but we very deeply love one another. Marriage killers. Um, I wish going into marriage that somebody had stalked me and said, hey, there's three of these things that are going to be coming and you need to know what they are in advance. They're not rocket science, but but here's what they are. Like, what do you, what do, you do with these things? And so they are adultery, how we raise our kids, and finances. And finances are a huge marriage killer. So if you know these are out there, if you know these are three bad streets you don't drive down, if you know there's these are three roadside bombs, uh, time to call the bomb squad. If you know these things in advance, you can protect and guard against them. So uh, let's start with finances. So finances, how you spend your money. And as selfish people, we have to put our relationship first. So does this mean, well, I don't care what you want. I'm buying a boat. Well, I don't care what you want. I'm buying a new car. If, if we're more concerned about what other people think about our relationship than, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, as it were, rather than loving inside of our relationship, that's a problem. And so what does that look like? That's, um, I'm going to get a big screen TV regardless of the financial hit we're going to take. We're putting pressure on our marriage, on our relationship. Um, buying a new car, um, buying a lot of things and, and forcing the credit card up. Um, I have friends that have lost everything because of buy here, pay here. Um, I have friends who like, like for instance, if you get a bunch of different things from buy here, pay here's and all of a sudden something happens and you lose your job very rapidly, multiple of those things are going to come due and you're going to take a massive hit to your credit all at once. It's going to be like a shotgun blast. Your credit It's going to blow chunks out of your credit and you can rebuild from that. Um, you need to have a, you need to be united when it comes to your finances. And my wife and I have set bills we pay, but if she's having a bad month, we're both self-employed now. If she's having a rough month, I help her and vice versa. But are we, are we pulling this, this wagon of marriage as a team? And so are we, are we looking out and going, well, we need this and this and this and this and this. Are we, are we keeping up with the Joneses? Are we looking on Instagram? Are we looking on Facebook? And are we going, oh, oh, I need this thing over here. I have to keep up with these people over there. No. And, and I can tell you that, that my wife and I, for years, we had a 39-inch television, and we were focused on getting out of debt. I had gotten it for 100 bucks back when like a 50-inch like a TV was $1,000. And so a 39-inch TV, everything worked on it. Ultimately, some things started going wrong with it. And my wife and I were working on getting out of debt. It's kind of like, imagine a fire. If debt is a fire, which debt, that's a pretty good analogy. <clears throat> we were paying the bill every month, spraying over the top of the fire. And then we were paying against the principal on various bills uh, to put out the debt fire. So, you know, you're putting out what's actually causing the fire. And we worked very heavily. And by the grace of God, we are a year or two, probably at most from being out of debt. Um, and not incurring new debt is our goal. We don't want to end up in a situation where we're financially strapped again. 
and taxes can be a problem. All these things can take, uh, you, you find out that your taxes weren't filed right, you get behind. Um, I have been there. Uh, being self-employed, that is a bear, it is a constant problem. And you end up in situations where you're like, hey, um, you know, this this is an issue. And then, then you end up coming to each other and arguing over things. Your truck payment's too much, get rid of your truck. Well, your car payment's too much, get rid of your car. Well, you know, you saddled us with this boat or whatever, whatever it looks like. These are very common things. Well, you had to buy that four-wheeler. Well, you had to buy that horse trailer, whatever. Um, a lot of times what we end up doing very, very unwisely is if this is how much money we make, we end up right about here. And a lot of times people are putting things on a credit card every month because, which means you're not actually making as much money as you're spending every month. And if you're putting money on a credit card every single month, buying things, whatever, putting bills on credit cards every month, uh, I had to do it really bad month, <clears throat> uh, worst month I ever had uh, financially. I had to put some bills on a credit card and then paid them off. But we end up doing things to ourselves where we we have our, our how much we make and then here's what we're actually spending. And a lot of times it's up here. So what does that look like and how do we get rid of that rub a lot of people and and i wish i had had a mentor when i was 20 25 years old at 20 i don't know if i could have listened to 25 i could have definitely listened it, to come along and say hey there's a better way and instead of being envious of what other people have um and you know i remember uh one of my stepkids saying you know we're poor because we don't have a big screen tv and i was like you see those horses out there in that pasture you tell me which one of them you want me to sell you know, you want your mom and I to sell and we'll go get you a big screen TV. I don't want to get rid of my horses. Oh, okay. You know, priorities. What are we doing with our priorities? And <clears throat> it's one of these things that my wife and I, we look at things. We, both of us have foregone getting a new vehicle and um, I drive a paid off car now. It's got some mild hail damage to it, but man, it's paid off. And guess what? I don't have it a month. I don't have that car payment. What? What? And I'm doing maintenance on it and keeping it up. It's about due for a transmission flush. These are things that I'm doing because it takes pressure off of my marriage and it takes, oh, it's so much nicer. And so not having that vehicle payment, if we're smart, it's so easy to be like, well, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to shift it over uh, and I'm going to buy this thing I really want that. And then I'm going to buy this next thing that I really want next month. No, that's a very temporary thing. Getting stuff is not truly going to make you happy. It really doesn't. Um, but being out of debt takes a lot of stress off a relationship. And so I'm able to shift what was my car payment over and I've got a, a bill. I don't know what it is down to about three grand and it'll be gone. And then I can shift to my truck payment and that's going to open up opportunities for next year. How amazing, you know, then, then setting money back, being frugal and setting money back and being able to take that pressure off. Now, if you're a young married and you're looking at buying your first house, this all can seem so strange and so alien to, to think about it because you're looking up this mountain and going, I'll never get out of debt. Well, a lot of times young people go out and they buy, you know, this $15,000, $20,000, $30,000, $60,000 vehicle uh, because they want to look cool. And then after making those payments for two or three years, they start realizing, I don't care how cool I look. Um, I've, I've known people that would brag that their vehicle payment was more expensive than their house payment. Whew, I don't know that I would want to brag about that one. That's, that actually scares me. And uh, so I've got some young guys and gals that I do the chaplain thing with and I get to mentor. and. Every once in a while, I get to have these neat conversations where one young man is nearly out of debt because he's looked around and realized that he has an amazing acumen for making money. So that's in his favor. But he began to realize these certain things are just incurring other heartaches. And I will tell you that acquiring stuff won't make you happy. It's a it's a dopamine release in your brain. It's no different than a Facebook like, oh, somebody liked my picture. Somebody liked the little funny thing I posted. Buying things is a dopamine release, but you want to get depressed, start making that payment every month. Um, you're not going to keep looking at that truck going, oh, that is, a, that is such a beautiful truck. You might like it, but it's going to frustrate you. So what does that, what does that look like? Delayed gratification now saying, hey, 
let's do these things. Let's take care of the kids. Let's, let's, you know, I can have this truck that's not brand new, that's got the smaller payment and it's in good shape. Um, you know, we can, we can buy and pay off a little car. Having that delayed gratification now can actually bless me later. And uh, back to this young man that I was talking about, he's nearly out of debt because of the wise use of money. And it takes a huge amount of pressure off of our relationship. Uh, so looking, um, for instance, uh, Dave Ramsey has got a great series. I'm definitely a Dave Ramsey-ite, um, or at least Dave Ramsey-esque. I don't adhere to his teachings absolutely perfectly, but I, I love them. And if you want to get out of debt, that is a fantastic way to do it. Picking up side jobs, doing, I know guys that mow, I know guys that do little side jobs, and, and you can get great satisfaction in turning back and looking at the leaves you rake, the gutters you cleaned, the, the, the uh, graffiti you removed from the wall because you've got a sandblaster, the, the snow you plowed, the, the shed you built, whatever it is that you do as a side gig. Um, you know, the, the thing that you made, the widget, the piece of art that you sold can be very gratifying and around law enforcement. That's useful because finding things that are things that you can complete that are done, that are, that are positive is difficult. I'm going to take a quick so uh, coffee sip break. Ah, it really is that good. So then follow that up kind of to encapsulate that, start very seriously looking at how to get out of debt. And I, and I will tell you one of the craziest things in the world, I'll go to these secondhand bookstores to yard sales, different things. I have a book problem. I love books. And uh, what you can't see from my set, because you're looking at me if you're watching this, and if you're listening, uh, that's probably a blessing because you don't have to see me, is there's bookshelves on the other side of my set. And I can see them from where I'm sitting. I dearly love books. And I love to read. Um, I love to to build a better Paul. Um, there are books that you can find. I pay. I've paid ten cents. I've paid a quarter for books that have changed my life. And building your financial acumen, becoming smarter about things, instead of going, well, I'm going to buy this new fifty dollar game, and then I'm going to play it, and I'm not going to do anything to make my house better. Hmm. I've. I could probably have two PhDs with the. Uh, if I could redeem the time that I wasted uh, playing video games. Are they fun? Sure. Um, I still have a little strategy game I play from time to time, but I realized I was wasting a lot of time. That's another thing that can put a lot of stress on a relationship is what we do with our time, but that's an aside to today. So uh, these books that are inexpensive, I have picked up books that, that talk about savings, that talk about financial planning, that talk about side gigs, where you can have a little side hustle to make a little bit of extra money. Not to buy a toy, but to take care of our family, to get our bills paid down. And it's there, if you want a litmus test for are you a man or a boy, are you a woman or a girl, this might hurt a little bit. So I want you to repeat after me, I love Chaplain Paul and Chaplain Paul loves me. Go ahead and do it. Thank you. I hope you did it. So uh, if you want to listen litmus test for whether you're a man or a boy, a woman or a girl, it's um, are you are you thinking about your future and getting out of debt, taking care of these different situations, um, taking stress off your relationship uh, or are you seeking toys? Oh, I want to have the cutest car at when, when my girlfriends and I go out. I want to have the cutest car that the girls love. Yeah, that has nothing to do with your relationship. Um, I want everyone. I want everyone to just love my car. Well, you know, I want to have the the loudest truck. I want to have the coolest motorcycle. And a lot of guys will run out and get these things. Has nothing to do with their relationship. And I can tell you, I have an addictive personality. I I love things like like way too much. So if I was, there are things that I turn down, hobbies that I turn down. Um, I airsoft some mainly with police departments and church safety. Um, and I can provide a pretty good bad guy for church safety or, or airsoft for uh, law enforcement. And uh, I've got some scars to prove it. Um, but I know that I could get into it way too much and have a room full of airsoft gear. Um, I love uh, my horses and I used to ride literally every day. And I, I could see me going to Colorado and riding kind of a thing but I knew it could get out of hand. Um, I had an opportunity to get into cowboy mounted shooting where you're shooting blanks and, and popping balloons. 
And I loved the idea. Uh, I did a run one day with my horse and I was like, wow, I need to back off this because this is going to cost me a lot of money. Um, I, you know, you have opportunities, you can get into dirt biking, you can get into motorcycles, you can get into different things. We can be, we can be a little ridiculous with our hobbies. Um, I have friends that I love photography and that's a hobby that I can do fairly cheaply. Uh, that is very rewarding. There's, there's some extended expenses, but not many with digital photography. And, but there are people that they have to buy all the coolest gear. And when you stop and you go, am I buying this because it's actually helping me? Or am I buying this because I want other people to go, oh, wow, that is so cool. Dude, you're awesome, man. You're the man. How'd you get that? Okay, that's a problem. It's not helping me any. It's not helping my relationship. It's not helping me do anything, right? Um, and that is a thing as somebody who, who knows he has an addictive personality. I know that there's things that I stay away from because um, I could get into them too much. But there's things that I also understand um, if I hang out with my gun buddies and they're talking about buying new guns, I get to thinking about buying new guns. If I hang out with the guys that I know that, that four wheel and off road, I start thinking about that and it, it's not really something that interests me, but I start thinking about it. Okay. What our friends are talking about is going to have an influence on us. And if we have friends who have no, that don't have a lick of financial sense, you know, if, if all of your buddies at work, the only thing they talk about is in your little social circle is one particular topic. If it's off-roading, if it's camping, if it's whatever it is, if buying the new gun, you know, whatever the cool guy thing is they want to do, uh, hopefully it's not just drinking and partying because then that's not going to help you at all. Um, it, maybe they are trying to get you involved in their negative habits. They want you to become drunk with them all the time. They that's what they do when they're off work or they want you to, they, they pressure you to smoke. They pressure you to chew tobacco. Um, I'm not saying don't show, smoke or chew tobacco or ever drink, but I am saying that that can be an incredible waste of money. Our friends are going to have an enormous influence is where I'm going in my own ADD way with this. I'm building to something. So know yourself, know your personality. I know mine and I'm learning more about it every day. So I guess I, I'm learning to know mine. I'm getting to know mine. But then, but then know your friends. Are your friends helping you or hindering you? Are they, are they strapped to the gills with debt and do they only complain about debt? That could be a problem. Um, so whether you're a guy or a gal, the, what you do with your money has a huge influence on things. And paying off my car, um, I've been able to help my wife a couple of times when, when her um, when her month wasn't what she wanted it to be, I was able to help her. It was a nothing thing for me to do. It, it didn't just take pressure off of her financially. It blessed my marriage. It's a wonderful thing. She appreciated it. And, and trust me, she's helped me before when I was having a rough month. It takes pressure off marriage. So we'll definitely talk about things like this more in the future, but moving on from finances, how you raise your kids is extremely important and how you choose to raise your kids together. Um, you have to find a synergy, um, discipline. How are we going to discipline understanding discipline? And, and we have to, we have to understand this fundamental truth. You don't come out of the womb understanding how to be financially savvy and smart and, and not make bad financial decisions. And you probably didn't have it modeled for you very well in your family. Um, just odds are with, with the amount of debt Americans are in the same thing is true with, with disciplining kids is there are people who, who were really easy to raise, who they assume that their kids are going to be really easy to raise. And one of the, the fun little tricks of genetics is sometimes a saint gets a, a hellion of a kid. Um, I, I was not this kid that was incredibly rebellious. I could observe other people's mistakes as a kid and go, huh, I don't need to do that. I would watch other people get in trouble for things. I would watch other people make life choices that, that devastated their life and go, hmm, I don't have to do that. I straight up know people. I have kids that they were like, I saw you burn your hand on the stove, but I pretty much have to burn my hand on the stove. Huh, now I got to burn my other hand on the stove. That That's just... 
that's just life. There, there are kids that are like, I might have to burn each finger on my on my hand on the stove. Now my palm to to oh, finally I think the stove is hot. I wasn't that kid, but it, it, and if I tried to project my my perspective of how I was to raise onto my kiddos, it didn't work that way. Um, I have friends that have like seven and eight kids and they've told me that literally every single kid is different to raise. So where am I going with this? Read books, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos, learn from people that actually have a clue and have done this before. Um, James Dobson has focus on the family, incredible resources, whether you are a, a Christian or not, the resources are incredible. And especially in today's day and age, when um, the challenges are coming at parents fast and furious. And when especially um, we're dealing with a large number of second and third and sadly fourth and fifth marriages, when we are dealing with a large number of people that maybe they've, they've come from homes where both of their parents were divorced and maybe you're telling your wife, I don't want to get a divorce. I, I want to be together. By the way, one of the best ways to prevent a divorce is not talk about it. Don't, don't be like, sometimes I think about getting a divorce. Don't bring that word into your marriage. And, uh, and if you have, uh, shame on you. I, I have been there and that's a terrible place to be. Uh, don't do that. Um, and when you are, how do I say this? Um, when you are learning how to parent, you have to learn how to parent together. Um, one of you is going to have a more strict way of doing things. The other one is going to be more lenient, maybe in different aspects. Be consistent with your discipline. If, if, you, if you punish one way, and I don't mean punish in anger and punish to an extreme, but if you punish your child or reward your child, be consistent. Um, do so in love. I, I do this because I'm raising an adult. I didn't raise children. I raised adults. I wasn't trying to take a child and have a man child. I was trying to take a child and turn it into a, a man. Uh, same for my stepdaughters. The goal was not to raise, uh, you know, women, children, women, childs, uh, to use bad grammar. Um, I didn't want to raise a woman child. I wanted to raise a woman. And, uh, there's a lot of things that they do that I'm proud of. So we got to think about this in advance. Are the things that we are teaching our kids now, are we consistent with our discipline? Do we let them throw tantrums? Do we let them get out of control? Or do we let them be disrespectful? Um, you know, I, I literally was in a store one day and watched this three-year-old little boy punching his mom in the leg. And, you know, that's going to be a problem when he's 15. And I've seen that kid over time. And I saw him doing it like eight, punching his mom. And she was putting up with it. Uh, maybe because in her mind, it didn't hurt. You've allowed that child to think it's okay to hit their parent. It's never okay for a child to strike their parent. And uh, now you, uh, let me add a proviso. You may have been in an incredibly abusive home. Uh, and that's another aspect of this we've got to look at. But you may have been in an incredibly unhealthy home where maybe dad or mom was out of control. And one day you had to protect a sibling. Okay, I'll give you a caveat. But in a healthy environment, you don't want your kids hitting each other or you. You've got to set these things up in advance. And if you didn't have a healthy raising, and maybe you still don't have a healthy family background that you came from, um, there's a saying, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, but it, it says, it goes something like, if you, if you didn't come from a healthy environment, make sure that you create one. If you didn't come from a healthy background, a healthy raising, a healthy family, if your parents weren't good parents, make sure you are. Make sure the buck stops here. And I, I've talked about that in a, in a, private, uh, a previous uh, podcast. But, but make sure that you create a healthy family. And a lot of that is reading. I get my life values from God's Word. I get a lot of who I am from that, but I also learn a lot from people who've gone before me and how, how successful their lives and, and marriages and, and children are. I look at those situations and I go, okay, you guys did something right. Learning how the right, the right amount of hugs, the right amount of discipline, the right amount of encouragement. I always try to come home and bring things home that the kids, at least once a week, twice a month, 
depending on how finances were, tried to bring home a little something that the kids could play with and learn from and discover if did they like to draw, did they like um, like uh, modeling clay, did they, you know, were they into bicycling, you know, um, and my two stepdaughters were into different things um, than my son. And, uh, you know, one of my stepdaughters was, was really into horses. Uh, uh, the other one really got into playing guitar. My son really got into photography. These are very healthy things that you can play with. Building and encouraging. You're, you're raising an adult, not raising a child. And, you know, you can let them be a child, but you're, you're shaping them and directing them. You want this kid to grow in a way that is very healthy. And if you can discover how to do that, that works for you and your spouse you can take a lot of stress off your relationship and i will tell you if you have stepchildren warning danger warning warning danger 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 will robinson um if you are in a um if you're in a relationship and you have stepchildren which is going to be a lot of us i raised two stepchildren um they will inherently hate you now it depends on age. It depends on when you got in their lives. It depends on the child. But the odds are at least one of them will hate you for breathing. Um, you're an interloper. They biologically are wired to love their parent. And it could be even worse if the parent's not even in the picture. So even if that parent is supportive, even if they're trying to co-parent with you, having stepchildren and those types of things can become incredibly painful. And um, my wife and I got some incredibly well-intentioned, terrible advice, which was, well, just treat them like you're, they're your own children and raise them like they're your own children. <clears throat> it doesn't work that way. And there are great books out there on the topic. They, they really weren't there 17 years ago, but they are now. And there are phenomenal books out there on step parenting. So I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I'm going to come back and we are going to... Uh, continue to talk about marriage killers. So uh, let's talk about uh, gentle response, uh, the ability to de-escalate um, and in a relationship, the ability to not escalate or de-escalate is huge. Knowing one's self, knowing one's capabilities, knowing how to control our mouth. Uh, the book of James talks about taming the tongue. It talks about you can steer a big ship with a little rudder. You can steer a powerful horse with a little bit. Uh, but the tongue is out of control. And believe it or not, more wars have been started with the tongue than bombs. Got your six coffee. I love to drink their coffee. Even if it's not in one of their cups this morning. I just realized that. Uh, I'm sorry. No, kidding. But great coffee. Love their coffee. I, in particular, love Cup of Joe. My wife likes Mustang, which is more of a uh, breakfast blend. Literally every time I drink that coffee, I know I'm changing the life of a veteran, an EMT, a paramedic, a firefighter, or a police officer. And I am all about that. Followed by Matt Combs with Shield Force International. I train with this guy multiple times a year to build a better pole. And uh, he does a lot of training with law enforcement. This guy is extremely high speed. So check out Gentle Response. Check out Got Your Six Coffee. And check out Matt Combs, Shield Force International. Okay, so let's talk about uh, the third marriage killer. And so we've talked about finances. We've talked about raising kids. And we're just touching on these. It's sort of like saying, this is what a mine looks like. People bury them in the ground. If the wind blows and you see the dirt uncovered, there's a pressure plate. These are the kind of places people set mines. Okay, we're, we're talking about, and we're just kind of glossing over these topics. The third one is uh, being true to your spouse and adultery these are these are the three big marriage killers and if you know what they are in advance you can you can deliberately plan to avoid them now i don't care if you have no teeth and you are an 800 pound person you will have somebody at some point in your life that goes i believe i'd like to have some of that mm -mm -mm. um there literally is going to be many opportunities to cheat on your your spouse and this can come in the form of maybe your spouse is being emotionally unavailable to you or or sexually unavailable to you um unfortunately there are people who are very controlling and they or they they don't have as strong a sex drive maybe as you do um and so they or they've gone through postpartum depression or 
whatever the circumstances are, um, some people have different sex drives and they can be very different. That can put pressure on a relationship. So if you are someone who doesn't have as strong a sex drive as your spouse, you might think about the fact that uh, that's a way that you can meet their needs. Um, by the way, you need to look up the five love languages and phenomenal book. Love and Respect is another phenomenal book. But realizing that you need to be there to meet that person's needs. Now, law enforcement is a largely male environment. So most guys are going, uh, not a problem for me. I'm available whenever she needs it, whenever she wants it. Well, great. Great. That's, that's what you want. That's how you want to be. But if you find yourself in a moment and every relationship has these moments where someone comes along and they're interested in you, they're interested in your spouse. I have a friend that um, his his wife was working out and there was a guy trying to make a move at the gym. I have found gyms to be a cesspool of adultery. I don't go to gyms. If I do, and it's almost never, I haven't been to a gym in years, I work out in my home. I do a lot of exercises that I can do. Um, I've got a Bowflex. I do a lot of exercises that I can do that don't involve me having to go to a gym because I find them to be a place filled with adultery. There's women in there who are very vain and all about how they look. And there's guys in there who are very vain and all about how they look. And there are women literally sitting there drooling and lusting after the guys over that are drooling and lusting after them. That has largely been my experience with gyms. And I've been in more than one. And uh, I've seen a lot of relationships destroyed by the gym, especially because you have somebody who's not feeling appreciated they start going to the gym. They're wanting to make some changes in their life. They're not feeling appreciated. And somebody's at the gym going, oh, hey there, big boy. You're looking good. Every time I see you, you're looking good. I love those, I love those muscles. Can I touch your muscles? You've got an environment there that is a recipe for a, an affair, and it can destroy a relationship. Um, an affair is like a fire in a house. You might be able to put the fire out, and you might be able to repair the damage, but things are going to stink for a long time. And you might be able to get around it, but sometimes that damage can lie in different places um, for years. You, you, can, you can peel back something 20 years later and still find damage. Best not to have an affair. If you've been there, you can recover from it, but it's tough. Um, so affair-proofing your marriage is like bulletproofing your body, uh, putting a vest on. You have to think about it deliberately. And at times it can be uncomfortable. Um, for men and women, social media can be a blessing or the bane of our existence. So what are some of these things that, that, that look like? Don't flirt with somebody you're not married to. Now, I'm a flirt by nature, so I have to be very careful. And I don't mean, I don't mean like I go consciously or unconsciously to flirt with people. What I mean is I have a, a fun personality and I'm outgoing and I'm confident. I'm, I'm not intimidated by women. And that could come off as flirtatious. And I could flirt with people who are not my wife, but uh, I, I, I'd like to invest that back into my relationship and, and date my wife. And uh, I, I made a comment to somebody a couple years ago and I said, yeah, I'm going on a date Friday night. And they said, does your wife know? I said, yeah, I'm going out on a date with my wife. And they went, oh, oh, you still date your wife? And I'm like, uh, yeah, actively, you know, um, be deliberate with your relationship. Don't take it for granted. Um, and, and instill into it. It's like watering a plant. You want a plant to die, deny it sunlight, deny it food, uh, deny it water. And uh, so social media can be the bane of a relationship's existence. And, and I, as a man, am attracted physically to a woman. That's the way God made me. Um, I am very careful and I guard my heart. Literally, I'll be scrolling through Facebook uh, or some other social media. And there's, there's other aspects of social media that I just avoid. I just avoid entirely. I don't go. And I will see something that I like, uh, that catches my attention and makes me want to slow, slow my scroll of something physical and how many ads are sexualized. I will hit the, the button at the top and hit hide ad. Um, and it, it has eliminated a lot of that stuff. Um, I will, um, I will, get a friend request from somebody who's single. And I generally do not accept friend requests from single women. I don't often accept friend requests from married women unless I am friends with her husband, in which case I will. 
I unfollow people. There are there is a really good friend of mine that his daughter was in a, a particular sport. There wasn't a lot of clothes involved in it. And every time I turned around, there were pictures that he was being tagged in um, that were coming up on social media in my feed of his daughter. And I don't want that in my feed. I, that doesn't honor my relationship with God. and That doesn't honor my relationship with my wife. And if it was going to cause me a problem, I would rather nip that now. And um, there's a lot of things like that that I don't do. My wife and I, there's certain movies we don't watch at our house. If a movie has nudity in it, we don't watch it. And that's a hit. That's a healthier space for Paul. Uh, men are typically attracted to women physically. That's just how that works. And that's not a healthy place for my brain. I know this about myself. So I guard my heart. Um, I guard what comes in through my eyes. And like I said, that means movies. That means TV shows. There are TV shows that we have straight up stopped watching because of content, because it's raunchy. I've looked at her. She's looked at me. I don't have to watch a show to keep up with the Joneses. Um, I've literally had people go, oh, you don't watch that? Oh, my gosh. You're like the only person that doesn't watch that. Uh, yeah, seriously, A, doubt that. And B, you know, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. And um, so what we take in, the steady diet of what we take in has an impact on us. Um, I I was sitting uh, on Facebook this morning and was uh, prepping uh, for another another podcast and getting the notes ready for this one and up off to the side comes an advertisement that has an actress that I've always liked her work she was in a series that my wife and I watched is very beautiful woman and of course it's weird they pick attractive people to be models to be to be spokespersons to be in advertisements and commercials and tv shows and movies they pick attractive people weird well, it pops up here and it says at this age, she's still gorgeous and has a picture of her to get your attention. And a lot of times I'll just put my hand over it, click, drop down, hide, and it's gone. That is a way that I have found I can guide my heart. Or that's actually very accurate. Guide my heart is actually very accurate. I meant to say guard my heart, but both of those are actually very accurate. And we do need to deliberately guide our hearts. Another one is, um, who are we messaging? Um, there's nothing on my phone that I don't want my wife to see. Now she may look and go, well, uh, you bought a number of things off of Amazon that I don't think you really needed. Well, fair enough, but that'd be about it. Or, huh, you bought, you bought a couple of books off of, uh, eBay this month that I don't think you needed. Uh, I like to buy $25 books for like anywhere from 10 cents to four or $5. And then I can get all of the knowledge that I wanted from them for, for almost nothing. <laughs> but, um, there's no private chat. Um, there's no browser history I have to worry about. Um, I don't have to worry that my wife might pick up my phone and go through it. And, uh, I, I had a guy tell me, he's like, it really, really frustrates me that my wife doesn't trust me. And she constantly goes through my phone. And this is a conversation I've had 50 times. Yeah. Okay. And, and vice versa, by the way, that there are men that are very jealous and constantly going through someone's phone. You know, a great way to sleep at night, you know, a great way to not have to worry about what your spouse might find on your phone. Don't do anything with your phone that you would be worrying about somebody knowing. So if you would be, if you wouldn't want to hand me your phone because you would be concerned about, I might be able to look up the browser history. I might be able to see who you were chatting with. Um, see if you don't want me to see a conversation that you've had with someone who is not your spouse. Now, if you're having, you know, a sexy little texting conversation with your wife, guess what? You're married. You know, if you're, if you're telling your husband sweet little nothings in a text uh, through social media, you know, private messaging, uh, guess what? You're married. Woo -woo, that's where it's supposed to be. It's kind of like fire. Fire, you light a candle. It burns. It lights the room. You light the stove. You cook your, your dinner. You light the fireplace. It warms your house. You take the fire and you set the drapes on fire and the couch on fire and you set the bed on fire. And guess what happens? You don't have a house anymore. And I know a lot of people who unfortunately have burned themselves out of house and home because of adultery, because of psychological affairs. And, and here's the thing. <clears throat> if you, if you're, it's a great test. 
So I gotta, I gotta frame this. It's a great test. If you're ever having conversations with someone of the opposite sex that you wouldn't want your spouse to know about, then you shouldn't be having that conversation. If you're flirting with someone of the opposite sex and you're married, relationship killer, because it's like playing with a hook and you're a fish. If you are, if you are sending pictures or receiving pictures from someone, that's a problem. And you should only be investing yourself in your relationship. Now, maybe your, maybe your relationship needs counseling. Maybe you're married to somebody who doesn't quite have that all figured out or is very controlling. I might know something about being married to somebody that was super controlling. Um, not a problem for me anymore. Been married for 17 years to somebody that's amazing. But I could literally hand my phone right now to my wife and not have to worry that she's going to find anything on it that's bad. Do you know how much peace there is in that? I don't have to lie. I don't have to sneak around. I don't have to worry about those things. I get to be like, yeah. Um, and my wife's the same way. I, the, we were sitting there watching TV the other night and she goes, where do we know that actor from? I don't bring my phone into the like incredibly rare occasion for me to bring my phone into the living room when we're watching something together. I like to snuggle and watch together. Well, my wife had her phone laying next to her. And I, I said, well, hand me your phone real quick. She hands me her phone. She's not going to worry about that because guess what? She's not doing anything with her phone that she doesn't want me to see. I take the phone. Doo -doo -doo. Oh, yeah, that actor was in this show over here. Ah, that's right. That's why they looked familiar. And then we set the phone back to the side. Um, that's another thing, by the way, is does your relationship look like this? Are you Are you talking to that person through their phone or your phone? Phones, phones are a problem. We need to disconnect from our phones. And if you, if you don't think you're addicted to your phone, set an alarm on your phone. And one day, try not to touch your phone for an hour. Try not to touch your phone until the alarm goes off. I have, I have realized just how deliberately addicting uh, smartphones have been set up to be, especially social media. And I have started taking sabbaticals from social media and um, I will listen to audiobooks or just disconnect completely from my phone. And uh, uh, I'm not super worried somebody might call me and I, if I miss their call, guess what I can do? I can call them back. It's weird. And I'll call them back and they'll be like, hey, buddy. And I'll be like, yeah, sorry, I was doing some yard work or I was reading a book or whatever. Just realized that you called. That is another thing. That's an aside. That's kind of a freebie because we're really talking about the three big marriage killers, but really social media and cell phones, this, this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue that needs to be looked at in our society and is starting to be looked at in our society for the dangers that it poses. So I really have gone longer than, with this than I meant to, but let's recap really, really quickly. Finances, what you do with your money, how selfish we are with our money. And I don't mean to go for you to go throw this at your spouse and be like, you're totally selfish with your money and you're wrecking our marriage. No, come on now. But this is where two mature adults need to look at their finances and go, um, we've made a wreck of this and we need to fix this together. And it doesn't get better when you get divorced. Trust me. Uh, I have a friend that was has been married five times. Uh, he's now married a sixth and it looks like this one's going to make it. He's learned a lot of things about himself that he didn't quite have handled. And, um, he told me, he's like, I think I could have fixed every relationship, but one, he's like, I realized a lot of it was me. He's like, but I've also realized I'll probably never own a house because I made a lot of decisions that now I'm old enough that even if I, even if I work really hard, I'll probably never own a home before I die. That's really sad. You know, if you, if you give a woman, you no longer like a house about every eight years, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to how we raise kids, getting on the same page with raising kids, especially with stepchildren is enormous. This could mean counseling. This could mean great books. This could mean listening to podcasts. This could be listening to people that have come through it. The people who are ahead of us on the journey are oftentimes really valuable to talk to. If you look at their relationship and say, he and she have a healthy relationship. How did you get where you are and how did you keep it? It's good stuff. Then, uh, then coming around to adultery. And so 
don't have sex with somebody you're not married to. Uh, don't be flirting with somebody you're not married to. Invest that back into your relationship. Uh, my wife is not really a flirt. It really took me years to teach her to flirt with me. Um, I'm a flirt and I like to flirt. And and I, I because you opposites attract and you oftentimes marry somebody who, who has a lot of things opposite you, different than you. My wife is not by nature a big flirt. Over time, she has learned to be. And it's really kind of cute, fun to draw that out of her. Invest back in your relationship. It's amazing. If people put the effort into their own relationship that they put into affairs, it's amazing what can happen. Um, don't be looking at naughty stuff. Don't be sending naughty stuff. Don't be, don't be flirting through social media. And ask yourself a very serious question. Would I... Would I be okay with my spouse knowing that I'm looking at this thing? Probably not. Would I want my folks to know that I do this? And if and if you if you're looking at porn and you don't care, you've got a problem. Um, I will tell you that pornography is one of the single most destructive forces in our culture today, and it is leading to uh, is leading to sexual um, the sexual destruction of marriages. Literally, we have entire generations of men that are having erectile dysfunction at a very young age because they're looking at porn constantly and they have been for years. Um, pornography is a blight upon our culture. And as a man who has found freedom and gotten away from it, I can tell you, and that's, that's something I don't say, I'm not proud of it. I'm not throwing it up on a billboard, but God is good and you can get away from these things. If you are in a relationship with somebody and you are telling things to, I'll give you another, another example, and then I'll pray out our, our podcast. So if you want to know what a, a like a, a easy test is to know if you're having a psychological affair, are you reserving things for this other person that you're not NOT capital underscored NOT married to? Are you reserving things for them that belong to your spouse? Um, are you having conversations with them that you should be having with your wife or husband? So you're you're a guy and you, because your wife is emotionally unavailable to you or whatever reason that you've got a grudge against her, you are reserving this thing for this lady who just, just believes the best about you. Um, yeah. A lot of times the adulteress knows how to talk to a guy and she'll whisper little sweet nothings and, oh, you're such a great dad. And you're so, you're so handsome. And I just, I wish I had a guy like you in my life that was just such a great provider. And I, I see how hard you work and I see you do these things. Yeah. That's, that's the, the hooks and the barbs of an adulteress trying to, trying to woo you away. And there are homewreckers out there that will do everything in their power to destroy your relationship because what, guess what? They don't have it. They don't have one. And, um, so there's that. Are you reserving things that you should be saying to your spouse? Are you reserving them for this other person? Are you, are you, are this great thing happened at work? Call wife, call husband, call person I'm having a psychological affair with. If you immediately want to call this, this other person and tell them instead, or tell them first, you're having a psychological affair. If you're having a bad day and you can't wait to tell this person before your spouse, you're having a psychological affair. And you need to nip that in the bud. And we all have these things happen where if we're not careful, there's always somebody that's flirty. This person's real flirty and everything. And especially when you wear a uniform, you can be a four and you put on a uniform and you're an eight. And so there's always going to be people that want to flirt with you. A lot of times they have an agenda. They're like, well, if I flirt with this person, they're not going to give me a ticket later or whatever. Or, or they just, they just have no, they just have no moral qualm with flirting with you, even though you're married. And so these things are danger signs. There is a 0% chance that you're going to buy a car if you don't go on the lot. Uh, you know, if you don't go on their website, if you don't fill out an application, you're not going to, you're not going to buy the car. If you, there is a zero, zero percent chance of, um, I don't know, there's zero percent chance of, of falling out of an airplane. If you never get in an airplane, you know what I mean? If you, if you take the time to go, Hmm, this could be a dangerous thing. I need to avoid it. And I remember one day, um, a young lady, and this is how the devil works. I believe in God and I believe in the devil. And I am an evangelical Christian. I believe the word of God. I don't have a lot of arguments with my wife. This has probably been a decade ago. I had had an argument with my wife. I was on my way uh, to an appointment 
had stopped into a store and I frequented that store. And the gal behind the counter turns to me and she says, you know, if you ever find yourself single, I'd love to date you. And I looked at her and realized, I don't have very many fights with my wife, had a fight, and you're saying this. She was younger than me. She was attractive, um, you know, no more so than my wife. But in that moment, she was, you know, <sighs> that was an attack. There are people that bat for the other team, whether they realize it or not. And I realized in that moment, this young lady's a homewrecker. She's literally looking at a man wearing a wedding band and doesn't care. That's a problem. And so I, I started avoiding that store until I found out. And it was, I think, close to a year later, I found out that she'd moved on to another job. I literally would drive out of my way. It was inconvenient for me. But I realized if I kept going there, and I wasn't careful, I could actually be stumbling into a danger zone. I don't think so. No way. I'm going to guard and protect my marriage. That's if you're reserving things that belong to your spouse, again, and you're calling this person, messaging this person, texting this person, if you're having to hide something you're doing, danger, 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 it will, it will destroy things. You're literally playing with fire. It's, you're not going to set the drapes on fire if you're not playing with the matches. So anyway. So I'm going to pray us out. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to talk to your people. I thank you for the opportunity to minister in the law enforcement. And Lord God, I ask that you would help this podcast to reach the right ears to help them to, um, to help them, Lord God, to, to, to reconcile marriages, to, to realize that, the, that their, the bridge was out where they were headed and to change direction, Lord God. And I just ask that you protect these police officers as they do their jobs, that you would cause the bad guy to stumble before they could attack these officers. You would literally trip up the bad guy and uh, that, that you would foil the plans and thwart the plans of the enemy to come against these officers. Lord God, that you would literally bend the bullets around them uh, when they are attacked. I just thank you. I give you the honor and the glory and I ask that you would bless and guide them closer to you in your son Jesus name. Amen. Guys, I will catch you on our next broadcast. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.